over one sinner that repented. If we could set our Bibles aside and ask the Lord to anoint us and to talk to us today. Amen. God, we thank you for this opportunity to come here tonight into your presence. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our church, in our families, in our midst, God. We feel, Lord, the touch of your spirit today. Tonight, Lord, in this place, God, the Spirit of God has been moving, God, in our church since the beginning of this year, Lord. We felt it so much more stronger, Lord, and we're asking that that same Spirit of God would continue to move, Lord, even tonight, Lord, and to move us forward in Jesus' name. Touch every heart, every mind tonight to become receptive to your word. Help us to receive the engrafted word of God. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated for a few moments. Amen. I want to continue reading in that chapter and verse number 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And keep in mind, these are there's three parables here in the book of Luke chapter 15. And they all are intertwined with a central theme, a central thought. Amen. And he said, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. Amen. He didn't care. He knew that the portion of goods that was uh, be, that was going to be his was going to be when his father passed away. And he looked at his father's death. Amen. With spite. He didn't care. And he just said, I know you're going to die soon, dad. And I want my money. He didn't have any respect. Amen. He said, the younger of them said, said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that followed to me. And he divided unto them his living. Amen. At the expense of his father's well-being, at the expense of his father's uh, livelihood, at the expense of his father's uh, style of living, he said, I want what's mine. I want it now. I don't care. You're going to die eventually. Give it to me now. And when the Bible says, um, and he divided to them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, he got all of the goods together and took his journey into a far country. And there he wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. Amen. He began to be in want. Amen. I would tell you that God knows how to get our attention. Amen. When we wander away and when we intentionally run away from the call of God or from the, uh, the, the voice of God in our lives, God knows how to get your attention tonight. Amen. There arose a mighty famine in the land. He began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Amen. He found somebody that would uh, help him. Uh, to live, help him to have some sustenance. And that, that individual sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. Amen. To feed the pigs. A sloppy, dirty, uh, rotten job, if you will. But somebody had to do it. And this, this individual that was uh, high in his father's house thought he was getting a good deal. Amen. Thought he was going to do what he wanted to do. And found himself feeding pigs. Amen. Pigs that roll in the mud. Pigs that don't have any sense of hygiene or, or any sense of consciousness or wherewithal. And the Bible says in verse number 16, And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Amen. He was considering 
amen, eating alongside the pigs, eating alongside the, the slop that the pigs uh, were eating and partaking of. He was considering in his mind, amen, the debase uh, within himself, the debased state that he found himself in, and he thought that it would be some sort of relief, some sort of comfort to have even the, even what the pigs had, to roll around with the pigs, amen, talk about, amen, falling far from Father's house, amen, he would have feigned to fill his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he, the Bible says, verse number 17, when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? Amen. Commentators uh, would describe to you in verse number 17, and it says, and when he came to himself, amen, almost as if he was in a state of unconsciousness, almost as if he was in a state of uh, just utter despair. And the Bible says he, he came to himself. Suddenly his, he got his mind back for a brief moment. And he began to realize, here I am, amen, resting with the pigs, eating with the pigs. And there is, oh, there is those in my father's house that have it much better than me. I would tell you today that as the scripture says in Luke chapter 15, amen, and, and there is a comparison to the book of Psalms that says, I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of, the, of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. And the prodigal son realized that, amen, that uh, I'm, I'm better off being just a servant. I'm better off just being an usher living for God than to, than to hang out in the tents of wickedness. There's something about living for God. Amen. There's something, amen. There's a joy. There's a, uh, there's a divine providence in an individual's life as they make that decision, that choice to live for God. Amen. He said, I will arise and go to my Father. And I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his Father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. Amen. I would tell you that there there are three parables and this is the title of my message tonight. The sheep. The coin and the sun. The sheep, the coin, and the sun. Amen. With minor differences, really, these three parables are really one. Emphasizing as they reiterate time and again throughout this chapter, the one truth, how that heaven seeks after the loss of earth and how it rejoices when the loss is found. And I want to remind, amen, this church tonight, amen, that because Amen. Of this church, the focus of this church is still to reach out to the lost, is still to win somebody to God, is still to tell somebody about Jesus. Amen. The sheep, the coin, and the son. Amen. In the parable of the lost sheep. Amen. Here we have uh, it is one sheep of a hundred of a hundred sheep. That's one one hundredth. Amen. I want to point that out to you. This is the first parable is one one hundredth. And then you move to the second parable. Amen. It is one coin out of ten coins. It moves to one tenth or ten percent. And there is a progressive nature that's happening in these parables from one 
10% to 10%. And suddenly it goes to 50%. The one of the two boys in the father's house. And there is a natural progression that is happening in this parable. And God is attempting, amen, to teach the people, amen, on this particular day, the publicans and the sinners, uh, the Pharisees and the scribes, amen, that there is a cause for what he's talking about. And God's trying to lead them to, to a focal point of this conversation. God's trying to lead them to an understanding uh, of what he's trying to accomplish. He's trying to, he's trying to give them a revelation, understanding. And since they cannot follow him to such redemptive heights from the onset of this Parable, he comes down to the lower level of their vision and he begins to talk about things that they can relate to, that everybody can relate to. He begins to talk about sheep. He begins to bring it right down to their level. He says, suppose you have a hundred sheep and one of them getting separated from the rest goes astray. What do you do? Amen. Do you dismiss it from your thoughts? Or do you leave it to its fate? Do you just say, well, I'm just going to ignore that that's happened to that lost sheep? Or, or do you just try to mitigate it in your mind and say, well, he can find his way on his own. That sheep knows better. That sheep knows what he needs to do. Amen. Or do, uh, do you have that thought? Does it cross your mind? Dismissing it from your thought. Do you leave it to its fate? The certain slaughter that awaits it from the wild beasts. Is there a little bit? Is there a sense of compassion? And God begins to He begins to uh, appeal to the compassion that perhaps might be there in the heart of the Pharisees and the scribes. Amen. And He's attempting to bring it down to their level. And when at last you found that lost sheep, Amen. Are you going to be such a one that you would chide it and punish it? Amen. The Bible says it in this particular chapter, in this chapter fifteen. Amen. How when he finds the sheep, the lost sheep, he does not beat it with the rod in this particular occasion. But the Bible says, in fact, he lays it on his shoulders. Amen. And he puts it close to him. And then I would tell you today, amen, that God is reaching for somebody. Amen. Not just in this place, but for somebody that's beyond these four walls. Amen. And when God finds, amen, God will lead, amen, the 99 to go for that one. Amen. And when he finds that one lost sheep, the Bible says that he lays it on his shoulders and he wants that sheep to learn, amen, what it's like to be close to the Father, what it's like to be close to the shepherd. Amen. I would tell you today that God is desiring relationship. He's desiring fellowship. He's desiring communion. Amen. With the lost in this city. Amen. But it's up to you and I, amen, to go out into the highways and the hedges. Amen. And to find that lost sheep and to say you need to have the relationship with Jesus. Like I've got a relationship. The church is not there to scold and to whip you in the shape. Amen. There are times for correction, but there's also a time when Jesus Christ goes out and he's looking for somebody that's lost. And he's saying, I want you to have a relationship with me. I want you to know me. Like I want to know you. Hallelujah. When at last he finds the sheep, he doesn't chide it or punish it. Amen. You would not even force it to retrace its steps across the weary distance. But taking compassion on its weakness, you would lift it up upon your shoulders and bear it rejoicing home. Amen. There's something also to be said about when 
God calls you to reach a soul. Amen. I want to talk about this for a few moments. But God leads somebody across your path and you're saying, well, God's opened the door for me to witness to my neighbor, to my family member. Amen. It's up to you to put that soul on your shoulders and to carry that soul until that soul is able enough to walk on its own and able enough to know, amen, how to walk and how to live. Amen. It's not enough to just bring somebody, amen, and just tell somebody, but sometimes you got to put them on your shoulders. you got to begin to carry a sinner. you got to begin to say, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to help you live for God. I'm going to show you how to, how to pray. I'm going to show you what the Bible says. I'm going to put you on my shoulder. That's how you need to talk to God. Hallelujah. It's not enough to just show them some scripture, but it's, you've got to carry that sinner. You've got to, you've got to carry that love and say, I'm going to help you make it to heaven. I'm going to take you back to the fold. Hallelujah. 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 Forgetful of your own weariness, fatigued, and probably swallowed up with anxiety. That's all lost away with the newfound joy. Amen. There's something about winning a soul to God. Amen. God wants each and every one of us to be soul winners in 2018. Amen. God wants each and every one of us here tonight to win somebody to God. And when God leads that person across your path, it's up to you, Brother Nathan. It's up to you, Brother Noah, to put them on your shoulders and say, I'm going to pray for this soul. I'm going to fast for this soul. I remember something that uh, one of my... Uh, one of the fellow ministers that my, my father is really good friends with, he mentioned, he made a statement behind a pulpit one time. He said, sometimes with the new soul, you've got to pray and fast them. You've got to pray for them and fast for them that they would make it. You've got to put them on your shoulders, if you will. And you've got to say, God, help me to carry, help me to care for them, help me to love them, help me to, you've got to perhaps make the phone calls, you've got to perhaps go out and visit them, and you've got to take personal responsibility this sheep that I've gone out and I've found, God's helped me to find this sheep. Nobody knew where this one, this one was at, but God helped me to find this sheep. And God, now that I'm here, help me to put them on my shoulders and help me, Lord, to carry them. Help me to carry the burden for them, God. I can't rely on just a pastor to do the, the soul winning, but God, you've got to help me to be a soul winner. Help me to put a sheep on my back and carry them back to the fold. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Consider the form and the features of the good shepherd in this particular parable of the lost sheep who gave his life for the sheep, seeking that he might save that which was lost. Amen. Doing the work of God is what you're doing when you're putting a soul on your back, on your shoulders and say, I'm going to care for this person. There's going to be many people that are going to come to this church. Over the, over the course of the next 12 months, there are going to be people that walk through the front doors of this church. And we're going to do our part. We're going to send them a visitor card. We're going to call them. But we can't do that for every single individual of, you know, going out of our way all the time. It gets a lot real taxing. But if that load is spread, if somebody says, you know what, there's a soul there, I'm going to. Carry them. I'm not going to tell them all the bad things going on in my life. I'm going to tell them the good stuff. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to help them to live for God. 
yeah, they're going to be weak. Yeah, they're not going to know all the standards that we have. And they're not going to know uh, the oneness of the Godhead. But it's up to you, amen, to say, you know what? Can I teach you a Bible study? I want to, I want to, I want to put you on my shoulders. And I want to help carry you until you, you get enough strength in your body to live for God on your own. But it takes somebody to get to find that lost sheep and to put them on their shoulders and to carry them. Amen. There is a there is in this this parable of the lost sheep. Amen. This is someone who has wandered away from the fold. Somebody who is lost on their own. Amen. In the second parable, it's the lost coin. Amen. I would tell you, amen, that in this particular parable, it begins in verse number eight. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she had found it, she called her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I lost. Amen. In verse number eight, it says that she sweeps the house. Amen. Implying that it, there, it is possible to be in the house and yet still lost. The sheep was outside of the fold and it was lost. But there's also another possibility that you can say, well, I, I'm okay. I'm in the house of God. Amen. I've been faithful to church. I've been doing my part. I've been paying my tithe. I've been doing everything that you're preaching about, Pastor. Amen. But it's still possible to be in the church and lost. Amen. That's why, amen, the preacher gets me on the pulpit or an evangelist takes the microphone and begins to sweep the house. And they begin to talk about things. And they begin to look as they're preaching. And they begin to see, oh, that person, then that person reacted a certain way. And they didn't rub that person the right way either. And they're, they're sweeping. They're trying to find where is that lost coin? Where is that person that's in the house and thinks they're okay, but in fact they're lost? And they're sweeping the house. It is possible to be in that church, to be in the house of God and lost. Amen. That is why, amen, it's so important, amen, that we come to the house of God and we actively seek His face and we pursue His heart and we say, God, I've got to know You. God, I've got to make sure that I'm right with You. God, I've got to get reconnected with You, Lord. You said, I'm the nine year of the branches. And I've got to make, I've got to make sure, amen, that I'm not just in the house. Amen. It's, it's Half the battle sometimes is showing up, but the other half is, amen, once you're in the house, amen, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond to the word of God? Are you going to preach with the preacher? Amen. Are you going to get actively involved in worship to the Lord? And are you going to lose your mind and pray and worship before the Lord? Or are you going to just sit there and allow the dust, amen, to pile up upon you and allow, amen, the, the hustle and bustle of life to keep you deterred, to keep you distracted? Are you in his hands? Hallelujah. The coin. Many of you probably still carry coins. I don't carry coins too much. They, they sit in the little ashtray or little department of my car. Uh, there's a little piggy bank. When, as soon as I have change, I throw them in the piggy bank. I don't carry coins. I do remember my grandpa, though, 
Amen. My grandpa always had a pocket full of coins, and he'd just be jingling his coins all the time, letting everybody know he had a lot of coins. And I don't know if that's a, a, yeah, it's a nervous habit or something, but the coin. Many of you have seen a coin. We'll start there. Perhaps you have a quarter or a dime or a nickel, and if you have a coin that has one side that's blank, and there's no picture of a president, it's probably not a real coin, just so you know. If it's got a picture of a mouse like from Chuck E. Cheese, it's probably not going to work. Uh, but most coins, all coins, have on them an image of an individual. Uh, there is an image, and the coins in the Bible days, the Bible says that Caesar's face was on that coin. That's why the Lord at one point would say, render to Caesar that which is Caesar's and render to God that which is God's. The coin. It was money bearing on it the king's image and superscription and witnessing to his authority wherever it circulated. It was representative of the authority of the king of that land wherever it went. And we similarly are made in the image of God Amen. And we have, when we have his name applied to our lives, amen, amen, we have that value, uh, just like that, that coin did. And the coin, though lost, still had value. The coin, though it was in the house and it was lost, it still had value. And if it can be recovered, it will be worth as much as ever. But as long as that coin remains lost, there's no utility. There's no use for it. It just is buried. It's lost. It's forgotten about. Um, there's nothing you can do with a lost coin. You don't have it. And that coin still had value. But it could not, it, as long as it, was not able to be recovered. There was no use for it. However, it was not absolutely worthless. Amen. There still was in the mind of God or in the mind of this particular woman in this parable. She had on her mind, where is that coin? Where is that lost coin? Where is it at? I'm searching here. I'm searching there. I'm doing everything I can. And I'm trying to find that coin. Amen. Those that may be in the house of God and lost, there's still value for your life. But that value is not realized until you allow your life to be placed in the hand of the master of that home. Amen. My life has value, but the value of my life goes up tremendously when my life is placed in the palm of his hands. Amen. When my life is placed in the palm of his hands. Amen. The value goes up. Consider, if you will, for a moment, the time value of money. Amen. That is a subject in finance, the time value of money. That the longer that time passes, the less and less that that coin holds in value. Uh, a penny 20 years ago is not the same as a penny today or a penny 100 years ago uh, for sake of this message tonight. There's a time value of money. You can't get a, the same amount for it. Uh, you can't get the same amount for it 
as time passes. The longer it is lost, the less in value it goes. Um, and it is so imperative, it's so important that you give your life to God. And you put your life in His hands early on in life. Amen. And not wait till, amen, a more opportune moment. Not wait till a time later in life and say, well, when I'm 35 or when I'm 55 or when I'm 60, in just a few more years, I'll give my life to God. I'll surrender everything to Him. Amen. It's in the time in which we live today, amen, that we have, we can have the most impact, the most value, amen, in this world. Amen. I don't want to allow more years of my life to continue to pass by. Amen. And suddenly, even when I'm 40 years old, I look back and say, I didn't do anything with my life. Amen. I want to give to God. And I made up my mind a long time ago. I want to give to God the best years of my life. This religion, this gospel, this doctrine. Amen. That I'm preaching about. It's not just for old people. It's not just for middle-aged people. It's for some young people that say, I want God to use my life today. Well, I'm 13, 14, 15, and 10 years old, whatever age you find yourself. Amen. There's much more value earlier on in that, that coin's existence. Amen. How much more, amen, could you contribute to the things of God if you could go back, amen, as a 10-year-old child and begin seeking God and begin reading your Bible, amen, and begin witnessing and teaching Bible studies. You can think back, if I would have just done this a long time ago and saved myself a lot of heartache and pain, I could have given God the best years of my life, amen, instead of looking back with regret, amen, why don't you make up in your mind right now, today, I'm going to give Him everything, I'm going to surrender all to God. I don't want to be just in the church house and lost, but I want to make sure my life is in His hands and I stay in the hands of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I've often wondered how that there can be those you see, you grow up with them in church and and they're right there alongside you, living for God. They're in church, clapping their hands, worshiping God. And then you see... A few months later, or some time passes, you look around and say, well, where, where, is, where is this person? Where is that person? They, they were in the same services that I was in. They listened to the same preaching that I listened to. They, they went to the same events that I went, went to. And now they're not here. Amen. you got to make sure that you keep your life in the palm of his hand. Amen. It's not enough to just be in the house, but you got to make sure that your life is in his hands. And every day, God, I put my life into your hands. God, I want to submit myself. I want to put my future into the palm of your hands. Hallelujah. The third and final parable is of the lost son or we know as the prodigal son. And the third parable carries the thought still higher, forming the crown of the ascending series of parables. And not only is there a mathematical progression, such as we mentioned before, the loss increases from one one hundredth to one tenth and then to 50 percent. But the intrinsic value of the loss rises in corresponding series. In the first, it was the lost sheep. Amen. A loss which might soon be replaced. Amen. It's a loss that is not terribly detrimental. 
Amen. The sheep are going to continue to bear forth sheep. And that one that is lost can be replaced. And it's valuable, but it's not as valuable as the next parable that is foretold of. Amen. In the first, it was a lost sheep which might soon be replaced. And which would soon be forgotten. In the second parable, it was a lost coin, which, as we have seen, meant the loss of what was more valuable than gold. Amen. There was something more valuable with losing the coin than there was losing the sheep. And in the third parable, it reaches a pinnacle of importance, if you will. In the third parable, it is of a lost child. Amen. It is of a lost child. Amen. I don't know how it would feel. Perhaps soon I will know how it will feel if uh, the child that my wife is pregnant with today it becomes lost. Amen. I don't know what would go through your mind tonight if you went home, you got in your car and then suddenly realized, I don't know where my only child is. I don't know where my oldest child is. I don't know where they are. Where are they? What did, did anybody see them? Did you see them? Did you did you hear anything? What happened? You would begin frantically searching and looking. Where is the lost child? And it, it's a whole lot more important if, if perhaps you went home and you lost your jacket. You'd say, man, we got to find my jacket. And that would be important to you for a moment. But then if perhaps you went to the bank account and you saw, well, I lost $100,000. I didn't find $100,000. It gets a little bit more serious. The stakes get a little bit higher. But then on the third level, if you find out that you don't know where your child is, $100,000 doesn't matter a whole lot. I got to find my baby. I got to find the child that I went, that the woman went through nine months of pregnancy for. And all that pain, all that heartache, and all that discomfort, I got to find that child. It's, it's, it's an ascending level of progression in this parable that Jesus is telling us about. Amen. It's a, the third one is a lost child, tired of the restraints of home and the surveillance of the father's eye. The younger of them determined to see the world for himself in order, as the sequel shows, that he might have a free hand and give loose reins to his passions. Amen. With a, a cold and impertinent bluntness. Amen. He didn't care how it sounded. He didn't care uh, how it came across to his father. He says to the father, he, who he, he anticipated his death. He said, I know you're going to die soon, dad. And I want your money. And I want it now. I don't want to wait. Amen. If we had a child that did it to us, we'd probably slap him silly. Amen. We'd probably discipline him and pull off our belt. And, or if you had the wooden paddle on the wall, you'd pull the wood paddle and you'd show them a thing or two. But this father said, fine, if that's what you want to do. You're a grown man. Here. You're going to learn the hard way. And he said, Father, give me the portion of thy substance that is mine. A command whose sharp imperative tone shows but too plainly the proud, masterful spirit of the youth. Amen. A proud spirit that this young man had. He didn't respect the age of his father. He didn't even respect the law. He didn't care. He just wanted self-gratification, self-satisfaction. He only cared about how he felt. He only cared about what would happen in his life. He didn't care, amen, uh, how it would affect the family, how it would affect his father, how it would affect his brother, how it would, would affect everybody else in his family, in his neighborhood. Amen. He did not care. And he divided, they divided uh, they divided the inheritance. Half went to the son that took off. 
And such is the picture Jesus draws of the lost man. You and I, or that sinner that comes off the street. He begins to paint the picture of what it's like to be lost. In case you were wondering what it was like for that sheep out there, all alone, unprotected. In case you were wondering what it was like for that lost coin that was out there that didn't know, had any state of consciousness or any idea that it was lost. He begins to paint a picture of what it's like to be lost. Amen. For this prodigal son. He begins to paint the picture of him with spending all of his money, spending all of his inheritance, spending all of it to riotous living, the Bible says. And finding that at the end of that day, he was still, uh, he was broke and he was busted and he was disgusted. He was he was messed up. He had nothing to his name. He had spent all of his father's existence. He lived a life of shame and regret. And I wonder what went through the mind of this prodigal son thinking, I, here I am, I looked my father in the face and I took all that money that was mine. And here I am thinking I'm having a good old time. And what do you know? But the bank account is running dry. There's nothing that I've got left. So now i got to make my own way in life. I've got taken myself out of the authority of protection that God has placed over my life. And I'm wandering this wilderness experience all by myself. And here I am finding myself alone without protection. Alone without the authority of God's providence over my life. And that is what it's like to be lost without God. It is a sense of aloneness. It is a sense of abandonment. It's a sense of confusion. It's a sense of uh, you, you, you spend everything to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. But eventually you reach a point in that, in that time of righteous living where you find out this is all there is. And I found out it's disgusting. I thought it was going to be fun. I thought it was going to be enjoyable. I thought it was going to be something that I would I would just enjoy for the rest of my life. But when you finally, amen, indulge all the way in and you jump all the way into sinful living, you find out that here it is. It's disgusting. It's vile. Amen. I have it so much better in the Father's house. Amen. And now my mind goes back, amen, to that woman in the, in the lost coin in the house that she swept the house. And perhaps lost in sin, that son remembered. Amen. The preacher, amen, his life began to preach about the effects of sin, the destructive nature of sin, and how you've got to give your heart to God. And no doubt in that vile pig's pit of sin, that oh, that young prodigal son remembered. I remember that altar call on a Wednesday night. I remember that preaching that went forth on a Sunday morning. And here I am lost in sin. And I thought I was having a good time. I thought I was having a good time. I thought it was going to be fun. I thought there was not going to be any consequences. I thought I could get away with it. I thought I could do what I, I wanted to do. But sin is destructive. And sin will take you to a devil's hell. My friend, tonight, amen, you must be repentant of your sins. Amen. You must in that in that fallen pit of despair pick yourself up and remember. Amen. What it was like in the presence of God. I will tell you tonight there's nothing like being in the Father's house. But not just in the Father's house, but in right relationship with God. And that young man realized I've got to 
for them. You need to go find them. And when you find them, Sister Dee, put them on your shoulders and carry them and teach them how to live for God. Teach them what the scripture says. But then there's others. Amen. The third, amen, part of this parable. Amen. There's others that they, they've got to come to their senses. And when they come to their senses and God speaks to them in that pit of sin and they make their way back, I'm going to tell you they're looking for Father's house to be the exact same Father's house that they left. They're looking, Brother Raul, for, for a church house that hasn't changed. They're looking for a pastor that still preaches the oneness of God. Holiness. They're looking for somebody that still stands and says, I'm going to fight. Amen. Right here, I'm going to mark this territory. And I'm not moving. Amen. What would have happened if that prodigal son, amen, would have came back to his father's house, Brother Nathan, and found that his father's house was no longer there. It wasn't the same father's house. He would have been lost. But when they come, as we're praying and we're fasting and we're seeking God, when they come, may they find a church that's red hot on fire for God. May they find a people, amen, that still have a hold of God. Amen. May they, may they come to church. Hallelujah. And find a red hot on fire for God church that hasn't changed, but it's gotten, it's gotten more on fire for God. It's red hot. It still preaches down the line. Amen. I want us to be an unmoving church. Amen. In the sense that we don't move from the doctrine. We don't move from consecration. Amen. We stay rock solid. Amen. And we make sure that the Father's house is still standing. The Father's still looking. He's still praying. He's still Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And when God brings back the backslider, it's not the time to remind them of their sin. When God brings back the backslider, it's not the time for the daring to say, well, man, you should have done that. You should have messed up. You knew better. That's the time to say, welcome home. So glad you made it back. So glad I've been praying for you. I've been seeking God. Amen. I'm longing for the day when I see a Caleb Hall come back. When I see somebody else, amen, and a family member that you prayed for, and they walk through the doors of the church, and they come back, and the church must embrace them and say, Welcome home. You're in a safe place. We've been waiting for you. We've been praying for you. We've been, we've been fasting for you. We've been waiting. We've been seeking God for your salvation. Welcome back. I'm so glad you're back. Amen. It was the Father. Amen. They put the, the robe around his, his prodigal son. He put the ring on his finger. He put the crown on his head. And said, let's have a party. My son that was lost has come back. Amen. To him that God has shown mercy. You need to show mercy to those. Amen. That God intends to show mercy to. Oh, let's.
Hallelujah. Help me, God, to have the burden for the lost. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Help me to have a burden for the lost. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God wants to prepare this church tonight on this Wednesday night. Amen. For those that would walk through the doors of this church, when they come in, you know what to do. Amen. When somebody comes in that you've been praying for, you've been seeking God for, amen, welcome them back. Encourage them in the Lord. Come on, you can make it. Come on, forget about your past. Put that behind you. Amen. Make up your mind today. I'm going to live for God. Amen. And somebody else, amen, that you've been praying for, you've been trying to witness to at work or whatever happened or wherever it would be at Haven of Peace or whatever area of your life. And they make their way to the altar and they repent of their sins and God gives them the Holy Ghost and they get baptized. Put them on your shoulder. Put them on your shoulder. Say, come on. Let me take you to the fold. Let me take you to what a shepherd is. Let me show you what it's like to live for God. Let me teach you everything I know about God. Amen. I'm not trying to get a one-up on anybody else. But I want to show you how to live for God. I want you to make it. I want you to make it. I want you to make it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Compared with the life of the prodigal, the second part of this third parable, the life of the elder brother had been consistent, conscientious, and moral. The brother that never left home. He was consistent. He was moral. Where then was his failure? It was his lack of affection for his father. The absence of affection. He bore the name of a son, but he carried the heart of a servant. His nature was servile rather than a love that a son should have for his father. And while his hands offered a service unremitting and precise to his father, it was the cold service of an impassive mechanism. I'm just here doing what I need to do. I'm just here fulfilling my obligation. But never truly taking advantage of the relationship that was available for him with his father. The other element, as I conclude, that the son that never left home, also never took advantage of that relationship with his father. Yeah. You can say, I never backslid once in my life. I've been living for God for 30, 40 years. But have you been taking advantage of relationship with God? Or have you just been going through the mechanisms, going through the motions? I'm just, I'm here. I've been good, Brother Darren. I haven't moved, I haven't wavered. I'm here. But, have you taken advantage of the relationship that's available with you and God? Have you built a friendship, a fellowship, a relationship with Him? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't we lift our hands right now in this place and why don't we let the Lord talk to us for a few moments? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Yes.
God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts here tonight, God. Move in this place tonight, God. Let your perfect will be done. God, I'm praying that you would draw us closer to you, God. God, I'm preaching, Lord, your word tonight, God. God, it's going out, Lord, as a shotgun, if you will. God, it's it's being sprayed everywhere, God. God, and I'm praying, Lord, that the word of God would not return void. God, I'm praying, Lord, you would draw us closer to you than ever before, God. God, help us to be soul conscious, Lord, of the lost. God, of the weak, of the weary, God, help us to be conscious, Lord, of those that you want us to weep, to reach. God, help us, Lord, to also search eternally, God. Have I lost my way with God? Or do I still have the fire of the Holy Ghost falling in my daily time of prayer? Am I still in love with Him? Yes. Hallelujah. Let the chips fall where they may tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God wants His church to be red hot and on fire for Him. The sheep wandered, strayed unwittingly, blindly, getting farther from His fellows in its fold, and probably even bleeding vainly for them. The coin was lost. Although the coin was lost, it did not lose itself. It didn't have consciousness that it dropped out of its proper environment. But in the case of the lost man, it was altogether different. It was willfulness. Wherever this fits tonight, wear the shoe. Wherever this fits tonight, wear the shoe. The scriptures are there for our learning, for our admonition. The scriptures are there so we can say, that's for me. It's not so we can come to church and hear the preacher say, wait, well, hey, that's for him. That's right. yeah, you, hey, you know you need that one. That's for saying, God, help me to apply this to my life. Help me to, help me to accept your word. Give me a receptive heart. Give me a receptive heart. And finally, these parables show us four things. The divine grief over sin, the pain, the anguish that sin causes. These parables show us the sad state of the sinner, the lostness of a sinner. And thirdly, these parables show us God's willingness and eagerness to save. The long and eager search after the lost sheep. Shows that willingness, that eagerness that God would go, that the length that God would go to find that lost soul. He would leave the 99 to find the one. And fourthly, these parables show us the interest that heaven takes in man's salvation and the deep joy there is among the angels over man's repentance and recovery. And those are the four things that this message brings us to the sheep, the coin, the sun. That there is divine grief over sin. The sad state of the sinner. God's willingness and eagerness to save us. And the joy that is brought about in heaven when one person repents. 
when one person repents, when one person is filled with the Holy Ghost. This past Sunday, we had one get baptized. Maybe this next Sunday, another one will get baptized, or another one will get the Holy Ghost. And when that happens, we need to have a party. We need to rejoice. Congratulations. Give me a hug. Let's go out. Let's go have a bite. Let's celebrate. Let's rejoice over what God is doing. Let's let's celebrate. Let's have a good time and commemorate the salvation that God brings to man's life. Amen. Can we stand to our feet? Amen. As we close tonight. God is already doing a great work in our church. And there is more that he's going to do. And I want us to have the mindset, the right mindset, when God brings in many more people. Amen. Whether it be uh, a prodigal son, and we welcome them with open arms, and we pray with them, and we weep with them, and we say, welcome home. Or whether it be some of you that God's putting a soul in your heart and saying, I want you to reach for that person. God puts that person's soul in your hand, and you bear responsibility. Are you going to pick up that lamb, that sheep, and you're going to carry it? Or are you going to take it and say, Come on, let's go, come on? How are you going to respond when God brings a soul your way? How are you going to respond when suddenly you realize in the midst, in the middle of preaching, you know what? I'm not where I need to be, I'm in the house. But I'm not in God's hands no more. I've, I'm lost. I need God. And the preacher preaches and suddenly it hits you. And you realize he's talking to me. He's talking to me. I want us to lift our hands right now for a moment as we close. And I want us to just talk with the Lord. God, I'm asking you right now, Lord, to speak yes. to your people tonight, God. God, I'm praying, Lord, that you would have your way, Lord, here tonight, God. God, I pray, Lord, that you would let your word get deep in our hearts.